the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And by believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for each and every one of us, we know that we're saved. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Have you ever noticed how looks can be deceiving? For instance, when I was in high school, I was into drag racing. My first car was a 1969 Mustang Mach 1, which Ford says is actually bringing the Mach 1 back out in 2021. But we'll save that for another Bible study. But it was not only the nicest car at my high school, not only did it look fast, it was fast. And I had the fastest car at my high school. I went to a big high school in Ontario, Chafee High School, and had like 5,000 students. So I had the nicest looking and fastest car there. Yet I knew a guy that owned a really old Chevrolet station wagon. And this thing was completely thrashed. It was ugly. It was always dirty. He never washed it. It wasn't worthy of a second glance. But I will say that piece of junk was packing the heat, you could say. He had a 454 rat motor in it with a supercharger under the hood. And it appeared to be a piece of junk, but it was really, really fast. The point is this. Sometimes what you see is not always what you get. Sometimes looks can be deceiving. Sometimes what appears one way can actually be the complete polar opposite. Well, in the same way, as believers in our daily Christian walk with the Lord, we can be cruising along when suddenly, out of nowhere, we can find ourselves drifting off the path that God has set for us, and we start taking a detour. It might not seem to be too off of the path that we've been on. Maybe the road didn't look that bad. In fact, we thought it might even be a shortcut. Yet, as it turned out, it was a path that led to much hardship in our lives. And it caused us to stumble and fall spiritually. Maybe it was just a brief moment of sin, a lack of good judgment, a series of poor choices. Whatever you want to call it, the bottom line is this. It drew us away from God's perfect plan and purpose that he had for us. So today, as we continue to look at the life of Abraham, we will consider three points in light of our title, Making a Man or Woman of God. Number one, the plan of God. We have to understand God has a plan for each and every one of us. Yes, I know there's over 7 billion people on planet Earth, but God has a purpose and a plan for each of us. Number two, our point's going to be God's plan cut short. 
But how do you cut God's plan short? By taking your plan in place of God's plan. And our third point is God's plan re-embraced. It's when we come to our senses. It's when we realize, you know what? I've drifted off the path. I'm on some other path. I've taken a detour. And it's when we realize that, recognize that, and we re-establish God's plan in our life. And I hope that today, many that are listening or watching on live screen today, people would re-embrace the true plan of God for their life. So let's start with our first point, the plan of God. Yes, yes, absolutely, God always has a plan. He has a plan for us, just like he had a plan for Abraham. First, let's consider what we already know. We know that Abraham is a man of faith. We know that Abraham was a friend of God. God had set him apart. God had called Abraham out of his comfort zone to build a holy nation. Abraham obeyed his calling, and he simply went with what God had for him, where God had called him to go. Now, as you remember, back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, this was God's calling in his life. I'll read it to you. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Then, as we saw in our last study, God promised Abraham a son. God said in Genesis 15, verse 4, he says, In the word of the Lord, it came to him, to Abraham, saying, But one who shall come forth from your own body, this is going to be your true son, he shall be your heir. Then Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. This was before Moses. It was before the Ten Commandments. It was before the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God. It was before the first five books of the Bible were recorded. Yes, Abraham simply, by faith, believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. As you know, we looked at last time, righteousness could be translated to be in right standings with God. Abraham was in right standings with God, now simply because he believed him, by faith. Or as you know, righteousness could be all those things in our lives too. Why? Because it is true. Because you and me are saved by faith. Even as Abraham believed God by faith, we believe in Jesus by faith. And by believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for each and every one of us, we know that we're saved. I love that verse in Romans 5 1. It says, Therefore, Having been justified by faith, that word justified means just as if you've never sinned, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We now have peace with God. We can be at peace with God through faith in Christ. Yes, this being saved by faith was first established by Abraham and his relationship with God. That's why he is known as the father of the faith. Yet, as we will all see today, that on occasion, the father of the faith, Abraham, would go through times where he would have a, well, let's just call it a lapse of faith, meaning there was times that Abraham was not always a pillar of strength. 
There was times that Abraham didn't always show wisdom and discernment. Simply put, there were times when Abraham made some very serious mistakes. Yes, he made huge errors like the time that he went down to Egypt, where he introduced his wife, Sarah, as his sister and not his wife because of her great beauty, for he was afraid for his own life. His trip to Egypt was, again, uh, Abraham's vain attempt, you could say, in, in the midst of a famine, in the midst of hardship, to reach out to the world rather than reaching out to God and trusting him in that famine. And as we saw before, while trying to protect his own life, he put his wife in a very extremely awkward position as Pharaoh had taken her to be his wife because she was stunningly beautiful. But God, thank God, he intervened on Sarah's behalf and he spared her of this mess that her husband put her into. And God had to apply some pressure to Abraham to get him back on the right path, to get him back on track, back to where he was in a position to hear the voice of God. So God allowed Pharaoh to literally rebuke Abraham and drive him out of Egypt. Now, why do I bring this up again? Because, well, to be honest, we all make mistakes, right? We all mess up. We all do things based on our own wisdom, based on our own intellect of what we think is going to be the best for us, and based on our own desires and wants. Yes, making decisions based simply on what we want is many times not, I repeat, not what God desires for us. And that's where we can cause some real problems for ourselves. And wrong decisions can cause us to stumble. Wrong decisions can cause us to fall spiritually. Yet, our mistakes is all part of us growing up in our faith. It's all part of us becoming the man or woman that God has called us to be. I don't know why it's like this, but it's like, how do you learn lessons the best? It's through the school of hard knocks. God tries to prevent us from that. Hey, don't make that decision, but we do it anyway. And bam, we get body slammed and we're like, oh my goodness. Yes, I don't know why it's like this, but we seem to learn from the school of hard knocks. But let me ask you today, when you make a mistake, when your decision has proved to be a wrong decision, a bad decision, when your best ideas have completely blown up right in front of your own face, are you learning from those areas of failure and loss? Do you learn from those things? Or have you been known to continue and make the very same mistakes over and over again? It's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Maybe you didn't listen to godly counsel. Maybe you didn't wait long enough for the answer to come. Maybe you rushed in. You had a hasty decision. Oh, I got to do it right now. I'm going to miss the deal that you're now regretting. Yes, we've all done things that we can look back on and say, what in the world was I thinking? Maybe you're in a mess right now and you're thinking, yeah, that's me. What was I thinking? And now I'm in a mess and I don't know how to get out. But again, the question is this. Are you continuing to make the same bad decisions again and again? 
How we answer that will determine if we have learned anything from our mistakes. Abraham has been walking with few problems for quite a while now because, you know, years are going by. We go by chapters and we think, oh, this is the next day. Oh, it's the next week. It's the next month. No, like 10 years went by. Okay, so he's been going for a while now and everything's been relatively good. But that's when we have to be really on our guard even more when things have been going good for a little while. Right when we think everything's perfect in paradise, everything's going great, that's the time. That's the very moment, the opportunity that the enemy will strike. That when you least expect it, man, you're on cruise control, everything's going good. It's when we least expect it, that's when we have to be on the alert. That's when we have to watch even more so, always looking around, for this is exactly what happened to Abraham, which brings up our second point. God's plan cut short. It was severed. Let's read what happened here in Genesis chapter 16, picking up in verse 1. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, uh, now behold, the Egyptian maid, you know, uh, you know, the Lord has prevailed. It says, uh, says, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. After Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abraham's wife, you know, Sarah took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife. Verse 4, and he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. And Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms. But when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, uh, behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. Meaning, stop messing with me, lady, whatever. I don't even care. I'm sick of listening to you. Okay, so Sarah treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her, this is finding Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Okay, well, listen, if you thought you had to watch soap operas to get some actual drama going, oh, no, just open the Bible. Okay, not a problem here. Yes, it's true. Left on our own, we are all capable of creating massive, overwhelming drama all on our own. We don't need help from Satan sometimes. Sometimes we can do a good job of messing our lives up all alone. And what a soap opera we have here. 
this is juicy. This is packed with drama. This is like one shot shy of a full rear catfight going on here, okay? This, of course, could have all been avoided, completely avoided, like almost all of the drama that we create for ourselves. It was Vance Havener, an old country preacher, that said this quote, The detour is always worse than the main road. Yeah, you ever been going somewhere in L.A.? Like you're always in a hurry. It only happens when you're in a hurry. Oh, I got to get over to the other side of town. And then you hit this one road and, oh, detour. Like when you go over on the Culver City over here, you know, and you, you get on Culver Boulevard right there by downtown. They got it all closed off. You're like, ah! And then you got to turn around and you got to figure out which way to go. Look, the detour is never as fast as when the main road is open. Okay, it just never works that way. So in simple terms, what does that mean? It just simply means this. Beware of shortcuts. Are we not always looking for the shortcut? I know that I am. I'm always looking for the shortcut. When it comes to traffic that we face here in Los Angeles, I will cut through neighborhoods. I'll turn down alleys. I'll do whatever it takes to try to find something that's just a little faster. I've been on some alleys where the potholes are so deep that I came out of the pothole. I was in China. No, just kidding. But anyway, but I, yeah, you get the point. I mean, it's just like, you no matter what happens in this life, it's like you're always looking for the shortcut. But listen, the father of the faith, Abraham, He took the shortcut. It's not going to work out so good for him. He's now faced with this opportunity now to do what? Okay, let's going to speed up the plan of God. Now, God told me I was going to have a son. It hasn't happened. So let me take a shortcut here. Let me speed things up. I need to help God out a little bit. It's his plan, but let me help him out. Doesn't that just sound absolutely crazy? And yet we do it all the time. You think God needs our help? For his plan, he doesn't need our help. But we do it all the time. Praying for a mate. You're single. Oh, Lord. You know, it's like I've been praying for a long time, and I don't have anyone in my life. So, God, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to put my profile on Christian Mingle because we know all those people on Christian Mingle are true Christians that love Jesus. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Let me help them out. Or maybe you say, well, I'll date this non-believer. This way I can evangelize and date all at the same time. It's like two birds with one stone. Yes. Then when you fall away from the Lord, When you find yourself completely backslidden, you say, oh, God, how did all this happen? Well, you took your shortcut. See, you came in to help God. Let's not forget what started this whole dilemma. God had promised Abraham a son, and that was nice, right? Okay, he promised me a son, but where is he? Where's the son, God? Notice what it said in verse 3. They have been now been living in the land of Canaan for 10 years. Okay, a decade went by. This isn't like a month. This is like six months, five years. No, this is 10 years. Still no son. Where is he? Where's the promised son? So Abraham and Sarah are getting older. And talk about biological clocks that are ticking away here. These clocks are now dead and buried. They're, they're in the backyard. They're in the gunny sack. I mean, they're done. Because they still have no son. No heir to carry on their family name. So in steps Abraham's wife, Sarah. She's got the shortcut plan. Hey, you ready, hubby? I got the plan. She was probably thinking, why didn't God think of this earlier? This is a great plan. As she approached her husband, Abraham, I wonder how she told him. Maybe it was like this. I have this (laughs) 
great idea. It's just the best idea ever. You might, you know, my cute little maid. Uh, yeah, I've kind of noticed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the cute little maid that helps me clean the house, Hagar. Why don't I give her to you? And then, you know, this way, you know, you can marry her as a wife. And then that way you can go in and sleep with her and impregnate her. Then we can raise the baby as our own. This is a great deal. And of course, when Abraham... The father of our faith, he heard that. I'm sure he looked deep into the eyes of his wife. You know, the woman that he's been married to for decades, who knows, maybe 50 years at this point. And he said, dumpling, sweetie pie, my little cream puff. God said that he would give us a son. You know, that was his promise to us. And I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know. But I know this, that God always keeps his promises. So, darling, my, my wife of my youth here, you know, hang in there, sweetie pie, little poopsie, okay? For I know that our great God's going to come through. And I know it's going to happen. You're not. Yeah, he just said, okay. Yeah, and now, what is the deal with that? I mean, think about how many times we argue with our wives. Our wives come to us, hey, can we remodel the kitchen? Yes, no, it's not going to happen. You know, it's like, uh, honey, I was thinking that we could get a pet. Can we get a cat? No, we're not having any cats in this house. Okay, and then, hey, honey, can you clean the garage today? No, I mean, we talk about that. No, how many times do we get in our arguments with our wife? No, Sarah comes to him, you want to sleep with the maid? Okay. I mean, it's just like, what, what is this? We fight with our wives on everything, but sleep with the maid? Oh, okay, if, you, if that's what you say, you know. So, yeah, where's the maid at, you know? And he goes in with her. He has sexual relations with her. He sleeps with her. He did this in direct disobedience to God instead of trusting the promise that God had given him. He listened to the voice of his wife. And I will say, as a man who's been married for 41 years, I have listened to the voice of my wife many times. And it's like, you're a fool if you don't listen to the voice of your wife. Because many times your wife is seeing things from a different angle than what you're seeing them from. And I have seen my wife work in the ministry of the Holy Spirit and be able to share things with me. That's a total blessing. But that doesn't mean that my wife is always right, just like I'm not always right, okay? So this is one of those times that, you know, Abraham don't listen to your wife on this one, okay? She wasn't right in this, and he needed to say something to her. Yes, we can never listen and take the counsel of or advice of anyone over the word of God, ever. The apostle Paul even said, even if an angel of heaven comes down and preaches a gospel other than what I've preached, let them be accursed. This is what happened with the whole Mormon church, isn't it? Joseph Smith, the angel Moroni came down and gave him a whole spill of goods. Uh, Well, that's contrary to the scripture. Excuse me. It's like, get out of here. You're not an angel from God. You could be an angel, but you're not an angel from God. See, so even if an angel from God comes down, we're not to listen if he says anything other than what God has spoken. So hear this clearly. Your horoscope, a psychic talk show host, authors of books, even Christian books, writers, anyone who preaches behind a pulpit in a church, if what they say 
cannot be backed up with the written word of God, then do not listen to them. I don't care how many books they sell, doesn't matter. People will make life decisions on what their friend's opinion is. Well, what do you think about this? I think you should do it. Okay, and then they make life decisions based on that. They will listen to talk show hosts or life coaches. We have plenty of life coaches today. Some of them call themselves preachers. They will listen to those people who tell them to what they should do. And, and that might not be written in the word of God. But the bottom line is this. We are responsible for the decisions we make. That's the bottom line. Now, well, yeah, but I listen to Pastor so-and-so. It doesn't matter. You're responsible for the decision you make. That's why you must test the spirits to see if they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, 1 John 4, 1. Do not listen to anyone but the word of God. That's why we must always balance what we hear against the teaching of the word of God. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 